but vending was never something that I saw uh, lucrative enough for me to just do alone. Okay. Um, the revenue was okay, um, you know, but I, I wanted my son to be able to, you know, have his own job, have his own, you know, course and work when he wanted to work. You know? Okay. Uh, so that was something that I really uh, paid attention to. I knew it would be something that would be easy for him to pick up, sure. a business that he would easily be able to scale and, you know, make even more profitable. I feel like you know, his connections in school and things of that sort will give him an opportunity to have more vending sites. So once you started this, man, you said you was doing it for your son. Uh, how old was he and kind of what was the whole vision behind it? So he was 12 when it, I first started. So I started taking him on routes with me, making sure he understood how to stock the machine, run the machine, look at the app. Um, and from there, you know, I let him be the, the voice. Um, so okay. he did a presentation for his school to take over the vending services wow. at his school. How so, when he first started? Yeah, when we first started, yep. How oh, that's crazy. So um, they liked it, of course. And so after the contract was up, you know, we were next in line for those vending services. So I think it's pretty cool to teach him that, hey, you know, anything that you aspire to do, yep. you don't need to look on the outside. Everything, all your tools and stuff is here with the family. Like, I don't want, I didn't want him to have to go and uh, pick up, I would say, the tools or anything from anywhere else. I wanted it to be in-house. Okay. Uh, which was very important to me. Um, but that's all Vendor started for for me. It was just for, hey, I know the money was slow at first, but I knew by the time he started driving, it would pick up and he would be able to man that, that business. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Listen, welcome back to another episode of the Equity Tap. I am extremely excited to be bringing another interview to you guys. I think you guys are going to learn. A ton. I got one of my good friends, Lyndon, with me. So, you, Lyndon, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? Man, look, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come through, talk to us. Uh, I know we kind of talked a little bit before uh, during the podcast or whatnot, but you know, the goal, of course, is to help uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, I know you've seen a lot of success in your career, uh, things like that, man. So, we want to dive into this. But uh, do me a favor, man. Tell everybody kind of who you are, some of your credentials, uh, where you're from. Uh, just just a crash course on who Lyndon is. Sure. So I'm Lyndon Baskin with uh, Harris and Harris Realty Group. Um, I'm a real estate agent. I have a son, 14 year old son, nice family wife. How long you been married, man? Oh man, 12 years. Cool. How did you beat your wife? So I met my wife at school actually. Um, so we've been together for quite some time. For sure. Continuing, uh, you know, what yeah. we started. Where did you go to school for? I went to school for education. Uh, had a minor in mathematics, uh, which didn't work out too well. But I got my degree in health and human performance. Okay. And so after that, I left school. Um, let me let me ask you this real quick. What is health and human performance? Like, what is that? So health and human performance is any type of um, movement with the body. So okay. mechanics of the body, kinesiology. Okay. Uh, how the different parts of the body operates and moves together and how they work together. Okay, so did once you finished up with that degree, did you did you get into that career field? How did that work out for you? Nah, actually when I graduated, I came back to Memphis, uh, my home. I got married immediately. How old were you when you got married? Uh, 24. 24? When I got married early, it definitely changed a lot. Um, you know, I had to cut off a lot of friends. Uh, a lot of things that, you know, I was doing in the past, you know, it just was different. I was just more focused on my family which I think grounded me 
for sure. Early, real early. Um, so nah, that's what's up, man. So just thinking about, you know, your entrepreneurial career and things like that, man. Uh, I know we talked, I know you've had a, a career in uh, a government. You've had a career in real estate, which is still pursuing. And as of recently, you got into the vending machine. Like, where did that entrepreneurial spirit come from? Is that something that you've always had or it was just something that was created out of necessity? How do you look at that? Um, I always wanted more. Uh, so like I, we spoke about foundation to me, you know, my foundation as far as career wise was, uh, I was a city of Memphis employee. I was a police officer for the city of Memphis for nine years, but during those nine years, you know, I would sit, you know, I would always be thinking about what's next. This is the top. Um, you know, I feel like when we deal with government jobs, there's always, uh, a ceiling, you know, it's always aspire to have a career where there was no ceiling. I controlled most of what I wanted to do. Yeah, for sure. So you did that for nine years. Also for nine years. Um, then I went into real estate. Um, just like anyone else, you know, I began to become interested in um, moving property yeah. uh, without a license. Okay. A lot of people call that wholesaling. So that's what led me there to begin with. And then I decided to go to school and get my license. Okay. So I hear a lot of people talk about the wholesaling industry. Is that something that's still pretty popular or is that market saturated? It's definitely saturated. Um, but depending on, you know, your avenues, uh, it can be lucrative for you. Yeah. Um, I always feel like it leads you to somewhere else. You don't, you don't want to, you know, you're not going to be a wholesaler your whole life. Sure. It's always going to lead you to other, you know, opportunities. So is wholesale, is that kind of the um, the lowest point of entry which, which that you consider for real estate? I see a lot of people jump into the wholesale side of it first. Yeah. And I don't know much about it. Uh, so I think a lot of people choo- choose that avenue because you don't need a license to wholesale. Right? Yeah. So wholesaling basically is you obtaining permission from the owner at a price that mm-hmm. they want to sell their property for. And then you're trying to find a buyer for that on the back end. Okay. You introduce those two people and then you cut out the middle. You know, you're the you get to cut out the middle. How did they work out for you? Was it a huge learning curve? Were you able to just hit the ground and go? Nah, it was a huge learning curve. It was very difficult. You know, wholesaling requires you to be on the phones. Um, okay. Requires you to drive, um, looking for distressed properties. Okay. Um, and it requires you to, you know, get the information of the the owner. Those are things that, those are some of the hurdles you're going to have to jump in the beginning. So if you're not um, used to talking to people or yeah. it's not one, something that's, you know, you're, you're good at, then... Uh, it's something that you you know you'll come out of there quickly for sure do you feel like you know in your uh previous careers that you were in did they prepare you for this like what was the biggest learning curve that you had to uh face when it comes to jumping into the uh wholesale real estate guy and just i guess real estate in general because i i know you transitioned you said you got your license uh so talk to me a little bit about that transition but before you do like what was some of the biggest learning curves that you had to face uh as a wholesaler me, the learning curves was uh, legal. You know, you wanted to... The legal side of it? The legal side. Okay. Absolutely. Because I didn't want to be caught in do- doing business uh, unethical or, okay. or, or legal. So that was the biggest hurdle for me, making sure that, you know, I was, you know, servicing my client sure. uh, the best way and legally. Okay. Uh, other than that, um, it just, you know, caused me to, you know, have a deeper passion for, for real estate, which is why I d- decided to go ahead and get my life. What do you mean a dip, deeper passion? Like what? what deeper passion of? meaning like um, I saw that my revenue would could never be capped. Like I could, okay. I was able to obtain this. So yeah, passion about the uh the, the money. untapped potential. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ain't nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> now, uh, do you currently like have real estate 
properties yourself or do you just focus on buying and or working with buyers and sellers? So both. Um, my first um, passion was to own a few properties myself, mm -hmm. which I own two properties now gotcha. that we're renting out. So kind of going back, let's transition a little bit. We talked about entrepreneurship mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's a, that's a good place for us to kind of transition because there's a, a lot of people that are looking to get into business, especially, you know, as we look at the economy now, I think COVID man really changed a lot of people's perspective. Uh, they were sitting at home, you know, they were watching TV, they were watching a lot of YouTube, and I think people just got inundated with so much information. So now that we're coming out of this whole COVID thing, you know what I'm saying, people are starting to uh, look at entrepreneurship and taking it serious because jobs got shut down, industries yeah. got shut down, all of this stuff, man. So once you think about, like, entrepreneurship, somebody that's sitting at home watching this interview, like, what type of advice would you give them as an entrepreneur uh, based on what you had to overcome? It's funny, uh, mentioned jobs. Um, I feel like, to be honest, they make it, you know, businesses and companies have made it more easy to get a job. Um, it just shows us how, um, from the word I'm looking for is, um, it just shows us how adaptable they they, they could have been. So yeah. before pre-COVID, you know, we could have been working. <laughs> could have been working at home, right? Yeah. But now we have this COVID and these disease happen, now you want to make it comfortable for us to work from home. Mm -hmm. And so um, as far as, you know, the entrepreneur side, I, I would say, you know, for me, the entrepreneur side just, like I said, just started from wanting to not have a ceiling. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have a ceiling at all. But I always, every avenue that I chose, I always, I always knew it would lead me to real estate. And really, to be honest, um, every time I hear someone talk about entrepreneurship, it's kind of like they, they think they have to recreate something or invent something new. Okay. Entrepreneurship, to me, um, it ne it never looked at it that way. I never looked at it as I had to create something new. I just had to figure out which which path best suited me. Okay. Um, and I think that's that's some good, that's the advice I would give to anybody looking to, you know, step out or move out of their work is, don't look to create something new. Understand that, you know, the blueprint, everything is there. You For just sure. have to, you know, follow it and Man. find a mentor to to guide you guide you through. That's some dope that's a dope perspective. That's some great advice. And and that's true. You know what I'm saying? As entrepreneurs, we think that we have to create something from the ground up. But what I've recently realized is in any industry, like in any market that's a, a big market, there's always things that's overlooked in that market. And really, as an entrepreneur, all we do is solve problems. So if you look at any industry and say, okay, cool, where's the problem? Where's the pain point for most people? You ain't got to reinvent the wheel. Just figure out how to make that pain point a little bit easier, man, and you can create massive success. That's how I ventured into vending. Okay. Um, yeah, tell me about the vending industry, man. I, I knew that um, I wanted to create a job for my son where he can work for for me. Okay. Um, so, I, you know, ventured into vending, I bought a, a few machines and I, I would just go by different businesses asking for their service, you know. Was that before you jumped into real estate or how, how did it, it was at, what's the timeline? The same, around the same time. Okay. I kind of actually went into vending in and, um, real estate at the same time, but vending was never something that I saw, uh, lucrative enough for me to just do alone. Okay. Um, the revenue was okay, um, you know, but I, I wanted my son to be able to, you know, have his own job, have his own, you know, course and work when he wanted to work, you know. Okay. Uh, so that was something that I really uh, paid attention to. I knew it would be something that would be easy for him to pick up 
sure. a business that he would easily be able to scale and, you know, make even more profitable. I feel like you know, his connections in school and things of that sort will give him an opportunity to have more vending sites. Actually, he did a presentation for his school to take over the vending services wow. at his school. How, so, when he first started? Yeah, when we first started, yep. How oh, that's crazy. So um, they liked it, of course. And so after the contract was up, you know, we were next in line for those vending services. So I think it's pretty cool to teach him that, hey, you know, anything that you aspire to do, yeah. you don't need to look on the outside. Everything, all your tools and stuff is here with the family. Like, I don't want, I didn't want him to have to go and uh, pick up, I would say, the tools or anything from anywhere else. I wanted it to be in-house. Okay. Uh, which was very important to me. Um, but that's all Vendor started for for me. It was just for, hey, I know the money was slow at first, but I knew by the time he started driving, it would pick up and he would be able to man that, that business. Okay. So what was his resistance? Was he excited once you bought the machine? Did he throw up some resistance? How, how did you have that? Absolutely wasn't excited. <laughs> and to be honest, I still don't think he grasped the whole idea of he has his own company. Okay. Um, which is great though. Yeah. Um, it's great because these lessons will, you know, help him down the line, further down the line. So no, he wasn't excited. He hated stocking the machine. Yeah. Um, but I knew that it would benefit him in the long run. And so we had our, you know, negatives about it. But um uh people I mean Buying him the vending machine uh, was tough. It wasn't easy. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, money that I had to, you know, put in. How much is like the startup cost for somebody who was willing to buy one for their child? Uh, buying a vending machine, you're looking at a refurbished one, because I would never buy a new vending machine. Okay. That's one thing. But a refurbished one, anywhere from fifteen to $1,700. How much are they brand new? Brand new, you're looking at three thousand. Okay, almost Good double one. the cost. Almost double the cost, absolutely. And so you don't see the benefit in buying anything new. Start with new equipment at all. I would recommend starting with new equipment. Um, a vendor that we use um, refurbishes the equipment. So when it shows up to my garage, I always had the vending machine shipped to my garage first because I wanted to work on it. I wanted to play with it. I wanted to put snacks in it. I wanted to bend it. I wanted to learn how to, if this breaks, how does this work? Gotcha. Which got me involved into my next, you know, um, business. Um, and when I, you know, backing up, we talked about um, earlier, not, you're not having to create anything new. Yeah. So I knew that um, with the next business that I want to buy, I didn't want to have to, I didn't want to create a business. Mm -hmm. So I looked for businesses that were already that were already established, that were already doing well. Gotcha. That just probably needed uh, a young, innovative, you know, mind. Yeah. And um, that's how we found Ventronics. Ventronics was uh, the only um, vending repair service in Memphis. Okay. Um, they also, every machine I got, they moved it. Anytime I needed help, I would call Ventronics. Okay. So I was like, man, who's behind Ventronics? And so that's how we got into uh, the negotiations to purchase Ventronic. Wow. Okay. Okay. Hold up, man. We got to rewind this because <laughs> you dropped a lot of, you know what I'm saying? You, you talked about a lot of things that I'm, I'm curious about and I want to learn a little bit more about. So once you think about like the vending machine industry, one of the things you said was you got to ship to your house because you wanted to work on it, you want to see it. Like what is the marketing? How do you find locations? You know what I'm saying? What do you, what snacks sell the best? Like what's that whole mindset? And uh, I ran into you at a gym. You was restocking one of the machines. And if I'm not mistaken, you had that machine wrapped. 
Yeah. So what's that whole process and how great success in vending? I think some of the differences between uh, my vending company and others was I wasn't afraid to uh, pour pour money into the client because when you get a vending when you get a vending space or a space that allows you to put your services, um, you're really taking on majority of the risk. It's not you don't you don't pay you know them. You're just providing a product for them okay. at a price. You're taking on the majority of the risk because you know you want to know the traffic and things of that sort. For sure. So what I did was um, I told um, the people that I met with and what I, if I was trying to get a space, I would set up an interview, a consultation rather. And how did you find these people? I would just go into buildings. Okay. I would so just, you would just walk in cold. Yeah, I would walk in cold. I would wake up. I would put five businesses on my list every okay. Friday. I would put five businesses. I would like to put a vending machine in. I didn't check to see if they had one. I didn't care. I wanted to just speak with someone. So I would go in, gotcha. speak with HR. They would give me a person to contact, and I would set up a consultation. And my whole pitch was, we want this machine to be a part of your building, be unique to your building. So we have a machine at Ambition Fitness, which is a, a gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted the machine. Shout out to Rick. Shout out to Rick. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted the machine to be tailored to them. Okay. So we wrapped it with Ambition Fitness on there. So it feels like it's his machine, Yeah. right? It feels like, you know, it's a part of the building. Advertising. Bro, and it's genius because you think about somebody that's at a gym, right? They've already bought into uh, the, the personal trainer's brand. They bought into the vision. So once you wrap that machine, yeah. now they think that that's the owner's machine and they're more likely to, I don't know, I'm just thinking that may be the case. They're more likely to spend more money. Absolutely. I just they genius. think every every time something's wrong with the machine, they call Ricky. But really, it's all we're saying, right? Yeah. Because it's branded. He's His brand is over, on sure. And so that really That's kicked genius. us in the door. Yeah. We never, um, we don't, we have all six machines uh, and all of them are wrapped wherever they are. So the recording studio for you recording, um, they allowed us to wrap it. Okay. Where you recording on the side is great. I mean, those are just some of the little things that we did to, to get going, it was yeah, nothing just, special. Yeah. Nothing special. I just used to wake up and say, "Hey, this building needs a vending machine." I would write them down, write the addresses down, and go to them. Was that something that you just automatically thought of wrapping, or did you take a course in vending? Like, how did you learn everything? No courses. Just trial and error. Thing. Just trial and error. Um, the vendor that refurbishes the machines has a tech. Okay. And so, if I had any issues, I would reach out to him. Okay. And uh, from there, um, I got. Uh, introduced to Ventronics, okay, uh, which she allowed. Uh, she she taught me things about the vending machine as well. You know, gotcha. every time she came out, she or they would move it. That's how I got familiar with the machine. Okay, so basically, man, so if you're thinking about like getting into this industry, does Ventronics is that something that's a national brand that people can tap into anywhere, or that was just something that was unique to where you were at and you had uh, you know that relationship. It was unique to our area, our region. Uh, so they're the only vending repair service in Memphis. So um, I needed an extra resource gotcha. uh, to help me um, with things that that were just out of my control. Like moving a vending machine is pretty, um, you know, it's tough. <laughs> it's a pretty big machine, yeah. Pretty big machine is tough. I remember the first one we moved by ourselves was just me and my son. Yeah. And it was probably, <laughs> I mean, we ended up getting the job done, but... You know, it was tough. Yeah. And it's not a lot of money up front, you know, in that. So 
What do you find success in vending? Is it through having multiple machine, multiple machines? I see now that a lot of people are transitioning to more healthy options. Mm-hmm. Is it the selection? You being able to charge more? Like what? What is the what is the secret sauce in vending? I think the secret sauce is vending is making sure when you interview or you're you're having your consultation with the business, really get a great idea for their traffic. Okay. So I would post. So I would make sure that they were getting enough bodies that's walking past this machine or entering the building. Gotcha. And then from there, I would just post on the machine. I, you know, I would throw the snacks that I thought were popular, but every new location got a list. And I would say, what would you like in this machine? Okay. And the next time I visit the machine, I will take the list and I will see things that, that they wanted and I will put it in the machine. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's interesting, man. So traffic first, making sure that traffic is always, location. always grab a location before you grab a machine. You got plenty of time to get your machine. I would tell people when I grab the location, we had the machine, but in all actuality, I would give myself 30 days. Okay. So our contract would stay, I have 30 days to put a machine in here. Wow. So once I get the contracts, I have 30 days. Okay. And I can go find a machine. Oh, that's key. If it gets to, it's getting close to the time, then I'll just buy a new machine. You know, I'm out, but never happened. I never had to buy a new machine. So you you go in, you sign the uh the deal with the uh with the owner of the location, and then in your contract you say, all right, give me thirty days yeah. to get the machine. That includes the wrapping, right. all that good stuff. Yeah. Okay, just the wrapping alone. Once you tell somebody that, it seems like that'll buy you enough time. Like, all right, cool, we got we're gonna get the machine wrapped with your personal branding. So give me thirty days. But within that thirty days, what you're doing is you're going out finding you a good deal on the machine, mm-hmm. and then putting it in that location. Oh, man, that's that's genius. People give vending machines away. Yeah. Uh, so the next time you find somebody want to give it away, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like uh, Craigslist, uh, just little sites that you wouldn't expect to just go on. You know, some people have them stored away. They're just not. They're not looking to sell them. They're just looking to get rid of it. Yeah. Because um, it didn't work out for them. For sure. For sure. Why do you think it don't work out for people? Like, what in your success? Of course, you started. You know, from the bottom, and you work your way up through trial and error. But seeing other people, because I can do this all the time, like I can look at other T-shirt vendors and I can say, I understand why they're not creating the success that they want, because I, I knew a lot about the industry. What are some of those things that you see people do that don't allow them to create success in the industry? Just not persevering uh, through the no's. Okay. You're going to get told no yeah. a lot, a lot, and um, you just have to find the right location, the right traffic. Why do you think people are so afraid of no, bro? Why do you think they are afraid to hear no? Because um, they're not used to used to hearing it some yeah. people grew up um and it's like i mean i can speak to this like for my son you know he grew up much different than our, our kids grew up much different than completely me. different yeah um and although i want to tell him hey don't you know like don't let no scare you yeah he's not used to hearing no for sure he's not used to getting turned down he goes to a private school shout out to brock chris he goes to a private school he has parents who, you know, are going to do whatever they need to do to sure. get him what, what he needs and yeah. most of what he wants. So he's not used to hearing no. Um, and they, and, you know, that's, it's, yeah, it's tough. I, that's a huge one, man. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but while I was in college, too, one of the things I did was uh, network marketing or multi-level yeah. marketing. I knew that. And, bro, let me tell you something. You get used to hearing no. Is hearing you no. get here, used to hearing no very uh, often. So I got over that fear of no, because we all have it. And similar to the way that, you know what I'm saying, you're raising your family up, I think about that with my daughter all the time because she goes to private school and she has parents, you know what I'm saying, that have created a level of success to where she grew up completely different. She don't know mm-hmm. some of the struggles that, you know what I'm saying, that we had growing up. You know, it's just completely different for them. But 
a book, and I talk about this almost in every episode, bro, but I'm going to have to get some stock in this uh, this company. But a book, bro, that I read that completely changed the game for me when it came to uh, hearing no was a book called Go For No. Have you ever heard of it before? I haven't. Oh, you got to get it, bro. I'm going to send you a copy of it. It's a real quick read. It's a story. But it talks about um, just going for no uh, and how most people won't say yes until their fifth no. And we stop the transaction as salespeople too soon. But if we continue to get no, eventually we'll get yes. And what he broke down in his book was he was talking about people definition of uh, failure and success is incorrect. Mm -hmm. uh, and what he said is most people think if you're going towards the direction of failure, you're automatically going away from success. But that's not the case. You know what I'm saying? The more you feel, the closer you're getting to success. So failure looks like no. So how can you continue to get more no's, more no's, and how do you learn from those no's? Okay, what did I what did I do right? You know what I'm saying? Did I say something wrong? Was it a better way I could approach this? So you find out all your data in action. And the only way, you know what I'm saying, to get out there and get that data is you got to take action. Take action. Okay, you can't be afraid, you know what I'm saying, to get that no. Uh, you can't be scared of the no, um, especially in real estate. I mean, um, you say, you talk about that, that fifth that fifth no, and then the, then the next is the yes coming. That's how real estate mostly is. If somebody's you're asking to be their realtor, they're gonna they're gonna say no at first. Yeah, you, know, you gotta stay persistent and stay top of mind. That's really important. Staying top of mind for sure, for sure. How do you stay? What what have you found that works for you when it comes to staying top of mind? And top of mind can be door knocking. Okay, if you're a beginner real estate agent, it could be sending out flyers to your community. Okay. I joined my HOA, uh, which allowed me to uh, become a lot more personal with my neighbors. Gotcha. And which is where my first real estate deal came from. It came from my own neighbor. I always felt like if I couldn't sell to my neighbors, if I couldn't sell to the community that I lived in, if I couldn't sell a house there, then I couldn't be in real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if your neighbors don't trust you. Yeah. <laughs> No one's going to trust Since you got to work on yourself a little bit. If the people closest to you don't trust you. Absolutely. I think that that carried me a long way. And that's why I was so successful when I first started as an agent. For sure. So going back to uh, the vending machine. So you were telling me uh, prior to the interview, and you kind of alluded to it just a second ago, was the acquisition of a, another company that was servicing. Man, how do you... So I've sold a company. You know what I'm saying? And I've never seen, prior to me selling the company, I've never been in the process of figuring out, you know what I'm saying, how does that work? I've never been a part of the company that got sold. I never saw anybody in my family sell or buy mm -hmm. company. So this was all new to me. Like I can tell you the process of how to sell a company now, but of course prior to that, I didn't know anything about it. So how did that whole thing start to acquire the company? So in my mind, I wanted to buy a company that was already existing, but I didn't want a franchise. Okay. I didn't want to go after a franchise like a Subway or Chick-fil-A. Why didn't you want to do like franchising? Because I saw that in most franchises, I had to be there majority of the time in the beginning. Gotcha. Um, and so that was something that I knew as a real estate agent, I didn't have time for. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay. So I Googled um, and I found a website to where they actually display businesses that are existent okay. you know, in your area. Um, I can't remember the name of the website, but if you Google it, it'll 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 pop up. They display yeah. like businesses for sale, for sale, like okay. eBay. But it was current business for sale. Tell you how much the business yeah. was, how much the revenue was, and okay. things of that sort. But I didn't find Ventronics that way. I just found Ventronics. I just asked them one day, "Hey, are you guys looking to sell?" Because they were, you know, elderly. Okay. And I was like, "Are you looking to sell the business?" And she was like, "How did you know?" And I was like, "I did." <laughs> just gotta ask. <laughs> just had to ask. Uh, and that's just, you know, from being 
you know, comfortable, you know, with the question, asking the question, are you are you willing to sell the business? Yeah. And from there, um, we were able to, you know, get get something done. Did you take on like investors to make the deal happen? I wanted to. I really did. I, uh, I don't know why my mind always goes to who can I get to help me with this yeah. as far as money wise. But in the end, I'm glad I did it because my vision for this business is it to be a family oriented business. Okay. Somewhere where I can, you know, uh, employ my family sure. uh, and empower my family, you know, to make money. I mean, okay. When you say family, you think about like your son? Think about my son, my brother, my okay. sister. Gotcha. Um, they all have nine to five, which is nothing's wrong with the nine to five. No, no. I'll never uh, discredit any time I spend with the police department. Uh, like I said, it created a great foundation for me. For sure. Um, but um, I know where those nine to fives have those ceilings. Yeah. And I want to empower my my family. You know, there is no ceiling. Yeah. There, there is no ceiling. And so I thought the best way to do that was to, you know, buy a business and employ my family. That's what's up, man. That's, I, look, I'm the I'm the same way, bro. You know what I'm saying? And it's something beautiful, man, uh, you know, to have a business where your family works. Because when I ran uh, my T-shirt company, my wife handled the front end of the business. Yeah, I remember that. Brother. I remember saying your brother in the back. He handled the back end of the business. Yeah. And we spent every single day, you know what I'm saying, together. It wasn't one of those situations where, like you said, no knock to nine to five at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no problem with that. No but problem. it was one of those situations when I was coming home or whatnot. My wife, it wasn't how was your day. Our day was together. So we knew, you know what I'm saying, the ins and outs of each other's day. We knew what we was going through. We knew the struggles. We knew the victories. You know what I'm saying? It's just made for a better dynamic for us. You know what I'm saying? And then I looked at, I heard like some crazy stat that most married people only talk for like 30 minutes a day. You know what I'm saying? They they see each other on the way out the door. Then they spend a lot of time when they get home with the kids and stuff like that. And then they watch a little bit of TV and they only talk for like 30 minutes a day. And I thought, man, that's why marriages, you know what I'm saying, are falling apart and not succeeding. But when I think about, you know what I'm saying, the dynamic of having a family-owned business, man, it completely changes that whole dynamic. Like we in the trenches together, you know what I'm saying, making it work. My wife actually travels for work. Okay. Okay. So with her traveling for work, me policing, you know, where is the time? But it was, it's definitely um, allowed us to 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 be home more. Yeah. Um, and uh, just the whole aspect of my family, just you know, able to enjoy themselves and not have to worry about um, taking off or hey, I can't yeah, put this that. time in. That's different. It's it's different when you book a vacation and you don't have to worry about when you're coming yeah, back. Yeah, man. Most people don't understand that, but you know I've been able to book a vacation and I'll book the comeback when I'm when I get there. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting because you know as an entrepreneur sometimes we take some of the I wouldn't say we take it for granted, but because it's just another option, we don't think about how many people don't get a get an opportunity to take advantage of that. I remember my wife who we were vacationing in Jamaica uh, right when the pandemic hit. And, you know what I'm saying, everybody around us was panicking, like, man, we got to get flights out of here, we got to do this and we got to do that. My wife is just like, yo, what are we going to do? I'm just like, well, we'll just ride it out. What what, is, what, what better place can you be but in uh, Jamaica, like, locked in, you know what I'm saying, uh, doing the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, man. But entrepreneurship brings on all those benefits, man. And 
I and I think it's so interesting, bro, because you may have noticed that you wanted to be an entrepreneur early, but you took the traditional path. I recognized it early and I jumped straight off the bridge. You know what I'm saying? And it came with different struggles as well. I'm not going to say that it was the easiest route because I didn't have a lot of financial backing from the nine to five. I was literally hand to mouth for at least the first five years. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people don't realize, but yeah, I stay in the trenches for a minute. But after we kind of got over that hump, man, things got real good when it came to entrepreneurship, man. I was just, it's his fear. I'm always going to go back to that fear. I didn't jump right off because I was scared and I was comfortable. Yeah, I was getting a check every two weeks. If I'm getting paid every two weeks and I can pay my bills, I mean, then you have to look at yourself. Like, well, what else do I really need? Like, you know. But um, when you talk about that generational wealth, you, uh, that's just not gonna happen. Um, you know, in that field, for me, not policing. Yeah, yeah. And man, I'm I'm excited for you know what I'm saying to see the the success that you. This is the stuff that motivates me. Seeing other people. That, you know what I'm saying, were in a position where they were, you know what I'm saying, fearful and comfortable, but recognizing, you know what I'm saying, this ain't the move. How do I put myself in a position to create success? Man, I love it. I love it when I hear it, I see it, dog. And I said, I've been seeing the way you've been moving, and just we bumped into each other the other day at an event. And once you told me you had acquired the, uh, you know what I'm saying, bro, I was smiling on the inside the whole night. I was like, man, that's what's up. I'm, I'm happy to see, you know what I'm saying, people making moves like that. So we should go for the uh the new acquisition, the company. Like, how are you putting your fingerprint on it? So, um, being just a little bit more innovative, uh, right. I think uh, being younger than the previous owners, uh, you know, we're able to market a little bit better for sure on social media uh, websites. Um, even though they have a pretty good, steady con, you know, client base, you know, yeah. You know, I'm assuming the, the numbers was good. That's why you purchased it. You vetted uh, all this stuff out first. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we got the numbers to the CPA, made sure everything was fine, things of that sort, to make sure that you know we were at least going to be generating enough to pay everybody. Okay. And you know, still functioning, make money, uh, which it was. It was actually more. I mean, I don't. This was one of the easy. I mean, I hate to say it, but the the process wasn't really that difficult. Okay. For for this one. Man, you mind going through that process? Maybe if someone mm. is in a position where they're looking at, you know what I'm saying, jumping out, and I'll frame it for you. So they're working a, a nine to five right now, mm-hmm. and they may have saved up some money, uh, and they're wanting to jump into entrepreneurship, and they're wanting to acquire a business. That way they don't have to build it from the ground up. They can walk right into it. Like, what is their process? What did you find that worked for you? Sure. So I just met with any lenders that were doing SBA loans, which are uh, loans from the government, grants, things of that sort. Um so once I found a lender, which was with Cadence Bank, okay, shout out to them. Uh, they're wonderful over there. Um, we took out an SBA loan, okay, to fund the, for, to fund the whole thing. Um, and what they're looking for, <clears throat> excuse me, what they're looking for the most is is this business sustainable? And so, of course, the business is in existence. We were able to present the numbers to the bank, and it was it was a go from there. They really didn't require much of us because they knew that the business they the taxes were filed properly and they knew that the business was generating revenue. Yeah. And then now the thing is, well, are you paying too much for this business? Gotcha. And those are some of the questions you got to have. I had to hire somebody like, you know, I had to hire a CPA to make sure that, you know, I was making a great business decision and the business was really generating what they said it was generating. Okay. So that's the, that's really the the first thing, you know, you want to hire somebody to make sure that the business is generating what it's supposed to generate. Yeah. And from there, get you an SBA loan name. So how long has it been now, man, since you uh, purchased that company? Three months. 
Oh, three months. Okay, so we're still new. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what are the things that you're doing kind of in these first three months to kind of make it your own transition? What does all that look like? Just getting people trained okay. because I know that um, my help is not going to be here for long. Yeah. So I want to have people in place that can take over immediately, uh, and that's my family, you know, making sure that they're trained. So your family is already on site learning? Correct. Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah. So I just want them to be trained and, you know, be able equipped with, and always having, you know, uh, I'll call her my mentor, her name's Tracy, but just because, you know, she's here to answer any questions that we have because she doesn't mind. Yeah. And that's it. That's what's up, man. Congratulations on that, bro. I'm excited for y'all. I think, I know it's gonna do do big things, man. So you mentioned like your mentor a couple of times, like how did you go about, and that's one of the things I talked to entrepreneurs about all the time, like bro, you gotta find you a mentor. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And for me, I, that was one of the things that really propelled me in my entrepreneurial career, and it was through network marketing. And, and the crazy thing is, the guy who introduced me to network marketing was still friends today, and I still consider him a mentor. I was just down at their home in uh, in Knoxville, you know, what I'm saying, for their Christmas party. But you know, what I'm saying, just having somebody to be able to bounce questions off of and things like that, man, has always been instrumental. You know, what I'm saying, in helping me move my career forward. How did you come about? You know, what I'm saying, running into your mentor. I would say right now. Um... I have to go back to real estate. Um, I started with Crawlight. So I was okay. with Crawlight or Realtors, which is one of the more known real estate yeah, yeah. brokerages in the city. Um, and I learned a lot there. I had a good time there, of course. And my broker, um, is Kim Harrell, was a huge mentor for me. You know, okay. you know, she allowed me the space to learn and do what I needed to do. Uh, you know, secure deals. You know, help me through my paperwork and things of that sort. Um, but it's always been my broker. Um, as of now, I, like I always aspire to go to a black brokerage. Okay. Which is why I ultimately, uh, you know, ended up leaving Crowline. Um, other than that, everything there was great. But cool. when I started doing interviews uh, to switch brokerages, you know, I was looking for someone who, you know, had been, you know, where I've where, where I've been, and yeah. you know, was doing well in the industry. Uh, so my mentor, uh, Crystal Harris, uh, which is my broker with uh, Harrison Harris Realty Group. Okay. Um, you know, the, just, you know, from her, her actions and her business ventures, you know, we're able to learn and, you know, grow together. That's so that was there. one of the most important uh, decisions for me when I was switching brokers. Man, that's that's crazy, dude. You've, uh, this has been a very profitable conversation, man. I've learned a lot, dude. And like I said, I get inspired just hearing entrepreneur story, the things that you guys are dealing with, the mindset, you know what I'm saying, all of that good stuff. Let me ask you two more questions and then we'll wrap up. Let me ask you this, man. When it comes to like your education, what do you, how do you continue your education? Do you do a lot of YouTube? You read? Like what, what does that look like? For right now, it's been, or for the most part, it's been audibles, man. I don't have okay. time to sit down and read. So um, I'm always in the car. I'm always commuting, uh, showings, uh, meetings. So I'm always listening to audibles. That's the go-to for me. It doesn't work for some people because they have yeah. a book, but for me, the audible is the go-to. And then... I like to, you know, when you, I think of something, I like to jot it down. My mentor, uh, Crystal, uh, she keeps a journal by her bed. Uh, she says she does her, she got, comes up with her greatest ideas when she's about to go to sleep. And yeah. so she don't forget it, she'll write it down. For sure. Close the journals. Go, yeah. Those type of things are, you know, it sounds simple or mm -hmm. small, but those those are the very, you know, intricate pieces, you know, to, to your success. Um, yeah, now that's true, bro. I heard, uh, a saying a while ago that said, you know, on a daily basis, we come up with enough ideas that if we was to act on one of them would make us wildly successful. 
You know what I'm saying? But one of the challenges is if you don't write that idea down, you know what I'm saying, how could you act on it? Especially the way we live now, you know what I'm saying? It's busy. We always on the go. You got to write that thing down and come back. I got a, a, a note section in my phone where I just put ideas in, you know what I'm saying, my to-do list, all of that stuff, you know what I'm saying? So, man, I think that is, that's gold. Um, and kind of wrapping up, man, what's next for you? Uh, commercial. So I'm thinking about leaving residential, going into commercial. Okay. Another reason, um, I'm enjoying myself here at Harris and Harris. Uh, she's giving me the floor and the opportunity to, you know, to branch out, learn as much as I can and branch out into the commercial side. I mean, I'm not going to set residential down, but yeah. commercial is, is what I'm really focused on. I really like the aspects and the intricacies of the commercial. Okay. Do you find that commercial is uh, less competition? What, uh, what's the what's the uh, draw towards commercial? The draw to commercial, it's a lot bit longer of a process, uh, right. less competition, but uh, it's um, more more profitable again. Okay. Um, okay. I think about like some of the agents who brought like Whataburger here, yeah. you know, things of that sort. They're expensive, crazy, dude. Right. Those deals take time to you know to flourish, but when they do come <laughs> about, you know, those are some of the things that you know makes great. So what what does my city need? Right. Gotcha. So I want to, you know, dive into really like what is Memphis missing? Yeah. And, you know, try to contact some of these businesses and these companies and just bring them here to see uh, if if their dynamic or their uh, their traffic. Do we have that here? Yeah. And is can this business succeed in Memphis? That's commercial. So yeah. To me, that serves two purposes. That's I mean, I'm helping the city out. That's bringing jobs to the city for sure. And, you know. You know that's commercial real estate, so it's awesome. That's what I like about the most about that's it. That's dope, man. Because I don't, I don't talk to a lot of commercial realtors, but I don't know if a lot of them think that way to reach out to businesses in other areas and and handle their transaction and, and broker that deal for them to come by, like that's or come to the the city in which you're doing business in. That's crazy. To I've think never about seen that. Whataburger's line short. Never. So that <laughs> so Whataburger's happy. Yeah. Right. The for sure. Happy. That agent is definitely happy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, stuff like that. People got jobs, you know, that's, that's still opening up jobs for people. Absolutely, love it, man. I love that aspect of it. That's what I like about Cool, man. Look, man, I appreciate this for sure, man. Like I said, I think a lot of people going to get uh, help through this conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, two things, and I'll let you go. Um, what advice could you give to a startup entrepreneur, man, that's sitting at the house wanting to get into business? you know what I'm saying, for themselves. What advice would you give them? And then uh, after that, man, tell people how they can follow you. Do you have any courses or anything where you can teach people vending? Have you have you started working on any of that stuff yet? No, I haven't. Um, we do have a social site, SNL Vending. Okay. Yeah, give everybody your how they can how they can keep up with you. And then any advice that you want to leave, man, towards entrepreneurs as you close out, that'll be great. You can follow me on Instagram. And most of my tags are the same, the Grit and Grind Realtor. Um, Spell it for me. T H E G R I T A N D. Okay, cool. Let's just figure G R I N D Realtor. Yeah. Um. Other than that, my advice would be, man, you don't be scared. I mean, that was the biggest hurdle for me was overcoming my fear of, um, not thinking I can do what other people have already done. Don't try to invent the reinvent the wheel. Um, and, um, one thing that really worked for me was just being social. I was not a social person. I don't feel like I, I am now, but I mean. I mean, I see you in enough places. You're social. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's because I just, I mean, I try, I know that's important. For sure. For sure. You may seem small. You may not even meet anybody when you go to a social event or you may not talk to anybody, but them just seeing your face and knowing what you do, it's going to go a long way. Um, 
I went, I remember when I first started, I, I didn't know how to be, I didn't know where to, where to turn to be social. So I just went on the Eventbrite and typed sure. in Memphis yeah. and I hit the free filter button. So I went to yoga classes. What does that have to do with real estate? Nothing. <laughs> but I met people. Yeah. And we were doing yoga. I sold somebody a house. Wow. You know, I just went to all the free events. Uh, it's just something you have to um, adapt to if you're thinking about, uh, you know, scaling your business to, sure. to a large. Yeah, man. That's dope. Grant, do you follow Grant Cardone? Yeah. Grant, uh, one of the things that he said was your biggest challenge is not enough people know about you. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, man, just getting out there being social is huge. You know what I'm saying? I built my whole business. I tell people, I tell everyone, I'm not a salesman at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I built my whole business off of networking. Networking. You know what I'm saying? And, and meeting people, servicing people, letting them refer people to me. I built my whole company. You know what I'm saying? We did millions in sales on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go do it. There was times in my career where I did go door to door. I'm not going to lie. But for the most part, that wasn't my story. You know what I'm saying? I um, I just networked. I got real good at networking. What were we at last week? Uh, what was that? Christmas party. Was that a Christmas party? Yeah. Why is a black man Christmas party? And um, I probably spoke, I spoke to a lot of people, but I probably gave one person my card. Mm-hmm. When I woke up the next morning, I had like 50 new followers. Wow. All I did was post a picture and say 100 black men. I had about 50 followers now. That's not, you know, my goal yeah. to have a whole lot of followers, but it lets me know that somebody saw me <laughs> at an event and they know that I'm a realtor now. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's important. That's huge, man. Fifty followers from you know what I'm saying, just one at one event. Yeah. No people I didn't know them. I recognized them. Yeah. When I hit the accept button and like I, I recognized them, but it was just I recognized them from the event. That's what's so, up. So and now they know that I'm a real estate agent. So hopefully I can stay top of mind and when they think about buying or selling, you know, they'll think about lending. You come to mind. Mm-hmm. Man, that's what's up, man. Like I said, this has been a, a profitable conversation. Listen, if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for ways to grow and scale your business, if you like content like this, do me a favor. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button and also hit the notification button so that you can continue to get conversations like this. Also, if there's information that you need as an entrepreneur, if you want to see other people come on this channel and we interview them, put that in the comment as well. And we'll do our best to start reaching out to those people so that we can uh, we can bring you guys more content like this. Man, again, this has been Crazy mm-hmm. profitable, man. I appreciate you coming through and doing this for us, man. Line, man. Look, as uh, yeah, man, as your business continues to grow, uh, I want to get you back on so that you can continue to tell people about the stuff that you got going on. Man, time and place, man. I'll be. Say no more, man. Good deal, bro. I appreciate you, homie. All right, thank you.